You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we want when we're on the other side of this sermon to understand this epistle text, at least to understand it better. It's a bit of a riddle. For Paul is giving us an allegory, we can call it an allegory of law and gospel, or an allegory of slavery and freedom. And he's, and, uh, and it's not just one allegory, he kind of piles them all in there. It's almost like Paul is building an allegory soup. <laughs> he puts in, he puts in children, and he puts in mothers, and he puts in cities, and he puts in mountains, he puts in covenants, and he's just throwing it all in there and, and cooking it all together. But we want to know what he's giving us. But to begin, let's have a bit of history, uh, a bit of background on, the, on this epistle that Paul writes to the Galatians. In every one of Paul's letters, 13 of them in the New Testament at least, in every single one of them, Paul starts out with an introduction and then a commendation. He says something good about the, the church or the person that he's writing to. I thank God for your faithfulness. I give praise to God for your endurance. Something like this. In every single one of his 13 letters except for one, this one, Galatians. Paul starts out with no rejoicing, no thanksgiving, no condemnation. He just launches right into these guys. Verse uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel, he says, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. What had happened, and this is the history of the early church, is that Paul had gone with his fellow workers and uh, and gone through Galatia and had preached the gospel there, and people were converted. Jews were converted to Christianity. Pagans were converted to Christianity. People left their old faith, their old doctrine, their old false teaching, and they became Christians. And Paul and his workers established churches there where they had pastors preaching to them. But right after Paul left, some uh, false teachers came from Jerusalem to overthrow Paul's work. We call them the Judaizers. That's who these guys were. And they came with credentials. Pharisees taught by the law. Commissioned by the apostles, which was false, but they claimed that. And they came along teaching that it was not enough, Paul's preaching of the gospel, that you needed something more. You needed now to have obedience to the law. In fact, they came along and said, you can't just be Christian, you have to first be Jewish before you're a Christian. They said, if you're, if you're a Gentile and you haven't been circumcised, in order to be a Christian, you have to first be circumcised and become a Jew, and then you can be a Christian. They came along and said, Paul, who they said wasn't really an apostle, didn't get it, didn't get it right. He didn't say enough. He gave you the gospel. He taught Jesus right. But he didn't teach you how to stay in the, in salvation, how to keep your salvation. That is by obedience to the law. That's what the Judaizers taught. And it appealed to everyone. I mean, this really is the way it goes. In the shadow of the gospel, there's always this false teaching which comes along and says, but now we need to get serious about keeping the law. And what Christian wouldn't uh, latch on to that? And what Christian doesn't desire to be more obedient to the Lord's law? What Christian, having received uh, the word of the promise of the gospel by faith, wouldn't also delight in receiving the word of God's law? But there was something more in the Judaizers. They were saying that what you had to do to be saved was to be obedient to the law. 
Now, it sounds okay, but we see when Paul writes to the Galatians that it's not. In fact, Paul comes out right out of the chute with his guns blazing. This thing that you believed, it's not, it's a different gospel. In fact, it's no gospel at all. And if anyone preaches this different gospel, he should be accursed. Did you, Paul asks them, did you receive the Spirit by obedience to the law or by faith? And having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to become perfect by the flesh? Paul says you are sons of God and sons of Abraham, not by your works, but by your faith. And you've inherited salvation, not by obedience, but by the, by the promise. Paul says you are set free. From the slavery to the bondage of the law, set free by faith in Christ. And this is where we are in chapter 4. Paul's going to show the Galatians what's at stake. Jesus says Paul came to set us free, not to put us in bondage again. And the law does that. It puts us in bondage while the gospel sets us free. The gospel absolves us of our sin. The gospel covers us with the blood of Jesus. So Paul's allegory that he develops in these 10 verses in chapter 4 are going to line these two things up. Slavery and freedom. On the one side, you have the slavery of the law. And on the other side, you have the freedom of the gospel. And of all the things that Paul lists, they're going to come in pairs. And one pair is going to be on the freedom side or just the slavery side. This is slavery side. This is the freedom side. One's going to go into the slavery side and the other one's go, going to go into the freedom side of things. So let's look at the text. Ready? Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, don't you listen to the law? Paul's setting up the argument and he's going to use the law to argue against the law. The law here means the, the Old Testament and especially the first five books, the books of Moses. Paul's going to out Abraham these champions of Abraham. Verse 22, for it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by a free woman. These two sons, by the way, are Ishmael and Isaac. One's the son of Hagar, uh, Sarah's uh, maidservant, and the other is the son of Sarah, who's Abraham's wife. Verse 23. The son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born according to the promise. This, by the way, is Genesis 16, uh, 17, and 18. Uh, Abraham is 99 years old, Sarah is 89, and they haven't had any children. Oh, it's maybe 10 years before that. So Abraham must be 90 years old and Sarah's uh, 79. They haven't had any children. And God had given them the promise that they were going to have as many children as the stars in the sky, as many children as the sand in the sea. And yet they have none. None. So Abraham and Sarah, or Sarai at this point, take it into their own hands to have a child. Sarai says to Abraham, her husband, here's Hagar, my maidservant. Go in and lie with her. And he does. And she conceives. And they have a baby. That's Ishmael. By all accounts, Ishmael should have been the one who would have been blessed. Ishmael should have been the one to inherit all the gifts of God. Ishmael, after all, was strong, 
wise. He had favor with Abraham. He was the firstborn. He had all these things going for him. But God is not doing things this way with Abraham and not with his church. It's not according to the flesh. It's not by human arrangement. It's according to his promise. The Lord comes and visits Abraham and Sarai. This is now Genesis 17 and 18. And he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And he says, you, Sarah, are going to have a son. You. At this point now, Sarah is 90, 91 years old. Abraham is 99 or 100. And they both laugh. (laughs) Both Abraham and Sarah laugh at this promise. We've been trying to have children our whole lives. And now we're far beyond the age of bearing children. And now you promise us. Now you come. You see, when and, and this is how God works. When we come to the end of ourselves, then God's promises kick in. I mean, that's really what the law does, isn't it? It brings us to the end of ourselves where we have nothing in ourselves to trust in or to rely on. Nothing but God's promise. When we have nothing left but God's promise, then God has us right, right where he wants us. So he gives the promise to Abraham and Sarah, you'll have a child. And they do. God's promise comes to pass. Isaac is born. So Paul says you have two children. One of the flesh. One by human arrangement. One by trying to manipulate God's plan. And the other by promise. Ishmael and Isaac. Paul continues, verse 24. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. So you have the covenant on one hand and the covenant on the other. One from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. That's Hagar. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem who is in slavery with her children. Now, Mount Sinai is where God gave the covenant to Moses. Where God gave the old covenant. Where God handed over the Ten Commandments. Paul says this this covenant, this mountain, this woman... This is slavery. This is bondage. And it corresponds to the present Jerusalem. To the Judaizers. To those men who come from Jerusalem with their, with their uh, uh, great letters of commendation and their great learning. They come from slavery. They come from bondage. If you want to know where these guys come from, if you want to know their theological pedigree, then trace it back to Mount Sinai and trace that back to Hagar. Trace that back to slavery and bondage. So we have the slavery side of the allegory filled in. You have Hagar. You have Ishmael, you have Mount Sinai, and you have the present Jerusalem. Paul's now going to fill in the freedom side of the allegory. Verse 26. But the Jerusalem above is free. For it's written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers... Like Isaac are children of the promise. So we have it from Paul. On the one side, there's the flesh. On the other side, there's the promise. On the one side, there's slavery. On the other side, there's freedom. On the one side, there's Hagar. On the other side, there's Sarah. On the one side, there's Ishmael. On the other side, there's Isaac. On the one side, there's Mount Sinai. On the other side, there's Mount Calvary. On the one side, there's the 
current Jerusalem, full of Judaizers. On the other side is the Jerusalem from above, which is the church. On the one side, there's the covenant given by Moses. On the other side is the New Testament in the blood of Jesus. On the one side is the law, bondage, slavery. And on the other side is gospel, freedom, life, forgiveness. You see it? And these two covenants are different. You cannot be in one side and also on the other. You are either a slave or you are free. You are either in bondage of the law or forgiven by Christ. These Galatians who wanted to start with the gospel and finish with the law, Paul says, you cannot do it. The law and the gospel do not connect. They are two totally different religions, two totally different covenants, two totally different options. Bondage or slavery, you can't be both. And Paul says, you, brothers, are free. You are forgiven. Now he's going to continue. If you see where the Jerusalem from below, the now Jerusalem, the Judaizers, if you see where their doctrine comes from, then you can go back to the history of Isaac and Ishmael and see how they interacted with each other to explain how things go now. This is verse 29. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, that's Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, Isaac, so it is now. Just like Ishmael troubled his brother Isaac, so the Judaizers trouble you. So those who are bound up in the law trouble those who rejoice in the gospel. But, Paul continues, verse 30, what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Just like Ishmael gives Isaac grief, so those in bondage to the law give those who are set free by the gospel grief. But Paul says, have no part with them. Those who would come with the false teaching of the law, those who would come to put Christians under bondage, have no place with them. Cast them out. Don't give them the time of the day. Don't listen to their preaching, to their urging, to their super piety. False doctrine should not be heard in your midst because this doctrine of the law, of being made perfect by obedience to the law, is a doctrine of bondage. It's a doctrine of death. So Paul's conclusion. Verse 31. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is where Paul was headed all along, and it's where he wants to take us. There are these two options, bondage and freedom, law and gospel, flesh and spirit, and we belong to the gospel, to the freedom of the forgiveness of sins. We belong to to the kingdom of Jesus who died and rose again that we would not have any fear of death or the coercion of the law. But the law is always tempting us. The law is always calling us back to bondage. But Jesus sets us free. Now this does not mean, dear saints, that we forsake good works. By no means. But it means this. Our standing before God when we are called to an account on the day of judgment, 
When we breathe our last breath and appear before his face, our standing before God is sure and is certain. Not because of what we've done or because of what we've not done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. This teaching means that we are free from the from impressing God and trying to squeeze out of him by our good works a smile or some sort of approval. No, it's already done. By the death of Jesus, God delights in you. He smiles upon you. He calls you holy and perfect and forgiven, for we are justified. Jesus speaks to the Father, your name, even right now. And His blood covers all of your sins. You are perfect and righteous by Christ, by His death, by His resurrection, by His intercession before the Father, by His works in your place. And this Jesus, who calls you holy and forgives you, sets you free from sin. He set you free from the threats and the coercion of the law. He set you free from the fear of death. And this freedom that God has given you in the gospel, this freedom is eternal. It lasts from now into eternity. Now until eternal life. Now until God gives us the gift of seeing Him face to face and seeing His smile. Stand firm, says Paul. Galatians 5.1 Stand firm in this freedom for which Christ has set you free. For this freedom that comes from the forgiveness of sins, this freedom that comes from the blood of Jesus, this freedom is our treasure and our life and our salvation, our joy and our peace and our comfort. Now, now and always. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.